All right. Hello and welcome to Saturday, a podcast for sads and gays. I'm kind of Kyle and I lost my imaginary friend to a twink on Fire Island. And speaking of friends, I have a new friend with me today. I'm hoping new friend, uh, fellow TikTok creator. You probably know her as Chaos Milf Energy, also, also EA Schwartz. I am speaking to the wonderful e-girl Chaos Milf Energy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. So I wanted you to be on the show and I'm so grateful for you to be on the show, by the way. So I, uh, I created TikTok about almost a year ago now. And a lot of my brand, a lot of what I try to talk about on Saturday is queer humor, all types of absurdist humor. And when I created my own TikTok, I was aiming for that. And I stumbled upon your work and I stumbled upon some of these really funny songs, um, denim, double dem, denim daddy, (laughs) writing a double, double dem ditty and uh, cicada boy and all these really funny songs. So I wanted to first ask you about how did you write songs? What brought you to write these types of songs? Um, Well, I I did improv when I was in high school because I think every sort of weirdo who ends up using the internet chronically is a theater kid at some point in their lives. And um, I was always really into like musical comedy. And when I was in my uh, late teens, early 20s, I discovered Rachel Bloom and Bo Burnham and Leslie Hall and just other awesome like comedic uh, songwriters. And I thought, Uh, I'll learn how to do that. Um, Not knowing I had ADHD at the time, learning to play the ukulele became like my hyper focus. And I just taught myself and I was, I, my focus was only ever, I want to write funny songs. Um, And so the first song I ever wrote is one that didn't perform very well on my TikTok, but it's called my boyfriend's a transformer. And the lyrics go like, my boyfriend's a transformer. I wish that we were normal, but that can never be because he spends half his life as an SUV. And since then, like I showed it to my friends and they were like, hey, this is kind of funny. You should keep doing this. And I just sort of went, eh, it's not like a big thing. It's just something I'll do for fun. But then when I got on TikTok at the start of the pandemic, when I had nothing else to do, I was just posting like silly videos that weren't really doing anything. And my friends were like, why don't you post your songs? They're really funny. Um, And so on a whim, I posted a song about asking if it was weird if I wanted Jack Black to have sex with me. And it started blowing up a little bit. And I was like, oh, people like this? Oh, okay. I guess I'll just turn all of my thoughts into songs and just throw it at the wall and see what sticks. And it seems to generally be sticking, which is kind of cool. That's great. So I'm really glad that uh, you mentioned Rachel Bloom because I'm a huge fan of Rachel Bloom. She's Um, incredible. She's so good. So I started, I watched her back in the day when she came out with Fuck Me Ray Bradbury. And so good. (laughs) So good. So good. Anyone that doesn't know Rachel Bloom. So I wrote about her in my newsletter. You, you have to look up her videos first on YouTube and then you have to watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is on Netflix. So I listened to her 
And I didn't realize she did the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend until like a year or so ago. I watched it. I watched it when I was like in a weird place where I was like really into this guy. And like he just was totally fucking like stupid and annoying. And I didn't know why I liked him so much. And that show, like there's so many parody songs that are so relatable that helped me get over that and be like, this is just so absurd. I need to stop. Was um, let's generalize about men one of them because a hundred percent, a hundred percent, and also love kernels. So oh, she, so good! Yeah, where she sings about I'll settle for all your love kernels. I'll settle for all this these little piles of shit that you give me. Um, it's so funny. Do you see yourself as doing a similar thing with the types of parody songs there? Like, how does like what Rachel Bloom does? relate to how you do songwriting or types of topics you might choose to do for songwriting? Well, what I love about Rachel Bloom is that she, she touches on things that are like pretty in general, pretty unique to women, but also she diversifies it. You know, it's not just uh, girly problems. It's also like, here's my weird intrusive thought about this or, Hey, have you ever noticed that blank? Um, Like one of my favorite songs by her it was actually the first one I saw and it's not super PC. So it, I have a hard time watching it now, but it was, I steal pets. Um, and it, it's totally just a parody of Friday by Rebecca black in terms of style, in terms of like um, almost the lyrics even it, and it's brilliant. And the first time I saw it, I laughed so hard. And I was like, I just want to take things that people expect and subvert them the same way that she does. Like I, I it's hard to describe. I just, really really appreciate her as an artist yeah i'm very glad you mentioned that song so the song lyrics are specifically i steal pets from the popular people and dress (laughs) the pets up like the popular people um i've been considering so i've always been on the fence of like i've wanted to do drag but if i ever did a drag performance my first song would be lip syncing to that you Um, have to it would be so good i would love to do that a hundred percent yeah, so I, I think that's like a really important like um, distinction is to like kind of take the mundane and to use like poppy upbeat tunes and then to like really get into your intrusive thoughts and just expose them and like bring them to the attention of the internet in a way that's super relatable. Um, like kind of these like things that we don't want to talk about, but we like also like hide in the back of our... So one of my favorite songs of yours are... Um, a song that is is going tentative, tentatively to be the title of this episode, which didn't get a lot of likes and it really frustrated me, like as many likes as I, as I was expecting from your work, is um, I'm a cool girl having a cool girl mental <laughs> breakdown at the local Walmart. Um, I think I was also disappointed that one didn't do as well as it did. <laughs> I was really, I was like, this is so relatable. Like so many people should recognize this. Um, but it's like little small things like that that are like, mundane but also like highly specific for for a certain audience like particularly women particularly queer people femmes neurodivergent people um and i think that connects a lot with the ways that the internet has helped us find those communities and found our sense of humor so could you say a little bit about what is like being an e-girl mean to you and what do you think internet (laughs) humor is oh well so in my bio i have not an e-girl not yet an e-woman because um a lot of people assume that i'm younger than i am i'm 32 
Um, but whenever people are like, oh, you seem way younger than you are. I'm like, thanks. I'm very emotionally immature. Um, and, and so what I've, what I've experienced is that people do look at you a certain way and expect certain things from you. If you're sort of like public on the internet, like I've had friends say to me, like, you're famous. And I'm like, no, no, I am not famous. I am chronically online. There is a difference. Um, but I think being chronically online is one of the things that sort of influenced my humor. I see a lot of the things that people consider like cringe or like, oh my God, fail, like things that go viral for stupid reasons. And I'm like, I want to like take that and I want to just like mash it up with my own sense of humor and like turn it into something that people can enjoy. It, it's a weird, it, it's hard to say. Um, but I feel like the internet has allowed us to tap into things that we thought we were alone in. Um, and, and so it's easier to make fun of them because every little niche has someone who's going to laugh at it. Like one of my more popular songs is one that I wrote um, when I was, I was swiping through dating apps and I live in a small Canadian city and there's about two women in this city and one of them is gay and the other one uh, it, like is is not obviously and and the gay one is in a canoe and I'm like oh I don't want to be outside <laughs> and um I was sort of like why does every woman that I would date want to just go to the woods all the time and I complained about this to my friends and they were like well some people like the outdoors I'm like we're in Canada all there is is outdoors it's not original and so I made the song and I guess a lot of other queer women really related to it. They were like, oh my God, yes. Why would I go to the country? I don't want to get hate crimed or like, no, thanks. I'm a coffee shop lesbian, not a farm lesbian. And um, it was kind of nice because I was like, am I the only person who feels this way? I can't be. And it turns out that like something like 400,000 other people also feel the same way. So I am totally rambling, but, but did I eventually get to your point? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I think I think you absolutely did. I think there's so one of the things is it's funny about that song, too, about how like dating women always want they always want to go to the woods or they're always like cottage core. And like if you live in that area, it's like, no, I don't want that. I have a similar experience where I've noticed like so many and I posted I got like a decent amount of likes. So I was like, OK, this is somehow relatable. But um. I noticed a pattern where like a lot of closeted bi guys love to go, particularly closeted white bi guys love to go on nature walks. They love hiking and their Instagram is full of nature pictures. <laughs> and I'm this like, this is a stereotype I'm not aware of, but I know, <laughs> I know it's, a, it's, I didn't, I didn't notice it until I like noticed it. And then I posted about it and be like, yeah, I've experienced that. I'm like, okay. So it's interesting. The internet is so good. So a lot of what I, I mean, what brings me in the podcast and what I've actually been trying to write about this social media entertainment is particularly interesting to me because it brings about a certain idea of fame, but it also doesn't like you can have a hundred thousand followers and not be famous compared to someone like, let's say, uh, Christy Schlepeka, who has like, I don't know, 4 million followers or yeah, something like that. Um, exactly. And you have a specific, like, unlike other forms of entertainment, like let's say like SNL or, you know, other types of humor on television is like, People have social media platforms on there, sure, 
but like this there's a distance that they have in their work like mm-hmm. they don't have to necessarily interact and the way they relate to certain humor is very different it's yes. not specifically although it's changing a little bit now but it's not specifically niche here was tumblr 2012 like who <laughs> can relate to this yeah um, and so i think a lot of internet humor like calls to that and i think that's why it's so unique from other forms of entertainment and at the same time it's interesting too and this was something this will lead me into another question um i've had to grapple with when i've you know i have a tiktok right now it has under 2000 followers like 1800 followers which is like i can't complain i've never had 1800 followers before so i'm happy it's about very that. cool yeah it's You're really like, cool it's cool when anyone follows you especially when it's in numbers that are barely like understandable by your brain you like to see a thousand or 1800 things you can't really comprehend it and right. so you're like that's that is a lot yeah in the grand scheme of things it's a lot oh yeah and when i so when i first got i did a viral video that was like a video that went viral that was like every high school 90s movie and that was the first video that got viral and i, I guess one of those things that was super relatable was like it was like a parody of clueless and things like that um, and I was joking about how there's like always a tokenized Asian friend and how, you know, the girl, the main character is always like a really petite blonde girl who like somehow is struggling because of that and ends up like dating her stepbrother, or dating a significant older <laughs> man. Who, yeah. Um, but that video ended up getting like 68,000 likes. And I was like, that is like beyond comprehension to me. Um, so there's a lot of ways that like online, um, like the social media entertainer is like, there's a specific amount of like fame to it. Or like, like you get that rush of being like, oh, a lot of people like this, but you also have this certain type of like anonymity at the same time that you can try Mm -hmm. to protect. What is your relationship to like followers online and stuff like that? Like, do you want more followers? Like, could you see this as an opportunity to branch out from TikTok and start a career in entertainment? Like, what? So I've always wanted to get into doing comedy. And I, I've always thought there must be a niche for musical comedy. So I, w- I would like to have a larger audience. I would love if, if people were able to continue to follow me. Um, I... I would love to one day be able to segue writing into like into writing jingles or, um, you know, maybe maybe working on a on a TV show or something or writing like songs for a musical comedy like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend or for SNL. Um, I don't know how likely that is, but it's certainly something that I'd like to do, um, especially because, you know, I'm old. (laughs) I'm I'm I guess what you'd call like an elder millennial. so I'm not going to have like, you know, good looks and youth forever. So I'd like to be able to use the skills that I have to um, become a writer. I think that would be awesome. But for now, I really like entertaining people. I've always enjoyed performing. Um, it is terrifying <laughs> the few times that people have recognized me from the internet in public. I was at work one day and these, these young people came in and they were staring at me the whole time I was helping them. And I was like, is there something on my face? Like, did my mask slip down? And they, as they were leaving, they come up to me and they're like, this is super weird, but do you use TikTok? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, are, are you chaos milf energy? And I was like, oh, 
yeah and they were like oh no 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 no! don't worry we love you we think you're so good like I send my songs to my girl your songs to my girlfriend all the time like everything you post is great and I just didn't know what to do and I was just standing there like vibrating with anxiety and I'm like okay thank you thank you bye okay and my coworker just kind of looked at me and was like famous I'm like no stop that was so weird but like I really appreciated it too because it's it's nice to know that people are enjoying what I make so uh young nice people in city redacted Ontario thank you for being so nice I'm sorry that I was extremely awkward when you talked to me but yeah to answer your question I'd love to I'd love to find a way to branch this out into doing other forms of entertainment and music. I think it would be really fun. I'm forwarding your creepy DMs to your mom. You brought this on yourself, so try to stay calm. It isn't a crime. Your profile's public online. And finding her We're mutual followers on TikTok. And when you follow me back, I was like so I was like, oh my God, I can't oh. believe you followed me. <laughs> um, I was so happy. I noticed on one post you had mentioned um so one thing is and this is something i experience as a small creator is just like tiktok exhaustion from chronically having to output stuff yeah um and also you mentioned and i didn't notice this before um canada doesn't have a creator fund that's so which sucks because you have like a hundred thousand followers and you reach for people who aren't familiar. Well, for people who aren't familiar with TikTok, you need to know, have some education of TikTok to listen to this episode. So just get a TikTok. Um, it's a cult. But, yeah, it's a cult and you need to join. Otherwise you can't sit with us. Um, so you, anyone that has, I mean, I've tried to like look into how to apply it. to be in part of the creator fund. You have to have 10,000 followers. You have to be 18 years old or older, and you have to have like a hundred thousand views within a month's time. I'm sure you meet that regularly. Um, so how does that like motivate your work or like in terms of thinking about career ahead, like, does that cause you to think of certain ways like Canada needs to get on a creator fund, TikTok needs to consider this and like, yeah, how does that relate to your relationship to your own work? Um, it, it is frustrating because uh, like Canada is historically full of very talented people. There's a reason that a lot of your favorite actors, Jim Carrey, Seth Rogen, uh, Rachel McAdams, both the famous Ryans, Reynolds and uh, Gosling, I have a terrible memory. Um, they're all Canadian, but they don't like some of them do. But Canadian actors, Canadian performers, if they're starting to get popular, they don't stay in Canada um, because it's hard to be a creator here. Um, there are certain rules in place that are kind of retrograde that are designed to encourage people to create and watch Canadian content, but they actually, I find, tend to discourage. Um, content creation because the the expectation is you'll sort of name drop Canada. This is a very glib um, explanation of it. Look up CanCon if you get a chance. Um, but it, I think the lack of creator fund in Canada is an extension of that. They don't know how, A, maybe they don't know how to tax people who are making money from TikTok or they don't, um, they don't want to encourage like 
monetizing creation creative content without like i don't know government intervention or something i don't know what it is but it's frustrating to know that i qualify but live in the wrong country so i did just start a patreon um if you'd like to support me it's patreon.com slash chaos milf energy um I think the tiers are fairly reasonable. I'm going to be offering sort of behind the scenes looks at my creative process. If you subscribe to a top tier, I'll write you a little song of your choice. Obviously like no hate speech or personal attacks on anybody. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I'm just going to have to figure out until if, and when Canada gets a creator fund other avenues, because I would, I would like to, you know, receive some compensation for, um my time without asking people to just tip me on coffee or send me paypal donations because i feel weird and guilty about that i want to be able to give something back um if people are are willing to to help me out and and tiktok isn't uh isn't going to give me any money <laughs> i sound like i'm e-begging but uh no it, it it is easy to burn out if you don't see a lot of return but also, the return that I get by knowing that people enjoy my content is also extremely satisfying. Like seeing seeing comments on my videos of people saying that my songs make their day or they always look forward to me popping up in their feed really helps encourage me to keep going. I just need that little extra push, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And also, I, I think part of it, too, is like... I at the end of the day, creators have have to ask if they can't like afford <laughs> like, yeah. like artists, especially like, I mean, like creators of any sort, especially beginning creators, like you have to start somewhere and like funding is a way to do that because you're doing it's this. True. I mean, you, you already have a full-time job. I personally already have a full-time job in addition to doing a podcast and a TikTok. So like, that's where it comes into play is that we don't always have time to do this. So we're carving out our own time and our own money and resources. Mm -hmm. to do this type and of it, 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 it's challenging too. Uh, Cause you know, I'm neurodivergent. I have ADHD. Um, okay. And, and when you're neurodivergent, sometimes you can only do one or two things in a day because you just run out of spoons, as they say, like when your energy is just totally depleted and you've used up your brain power for, for the day and every like little basic things are too much. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I can either clean my house and make myself dinner because I just worked a full day or I can write and record a song before my uh, ADHD meds wear off. Right. And sometimes I, it's sort of a, like a weighing the pros and cons of doing that. Um, but <laughs> it tends to, I go towards song creation because who wants to clean their house? <laughs> right. No, I feel that way too. I should clean my house today, but <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. Um, yeah, this was a question I meant to ask earlier. I probably should have began with this, mm -hmm. but what, like, what, brought you so you talked about like what made you want to do parody songs and like internet humor and stuff like that what brought you to tiktok specifically like why not instagram or youtube or a different platform like that um so <laughs> i tend to think in short form because i just have a short attention span um medically it's documented okay. uh and at first, because the songs that I had written had all been around three minutes. And I was like, well, I want to share these. But 
I think they're too long. But then I thought to myself, I can write a shorter song. It'll take less time. It'll be a challenge to see if I can fit all the points that I want to fit into the song into a minute format or even shorter. Um, and so when I did my first cool science fact video about if you took your small intestine and laid it out in a straight line, you'd be dead. Cool science fact. If you took your small intestine and laid it all out in a straight line, you would be dead. I was like, this is great. This is 15 seconds. I just have to play a few chords on my ukulele and then I don't know, maybe people will see it. And a lot of people saw it. Hank Green commented on it, which was extremely weird. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, a famous person saw my video. How odd. Um, but I think, like, I've gone to school for um, script writing and, uh, like, for film and television. And I, I enjoyed it, but I really struggled with, you know, the length of having to write a play or a screenplay or a film. I was like, this is hard. I, I'm really good at short form. Um, and so TikTok ended up being perfect for that because I just don't have an attention span. So TikTok was like, we love people like you come to me. Let me, let me embrace you against my, my warm algorithmic bosom. And it, it just worked out that way. Yeah. Um, I think I also relate to the quickness of it, the um, the short form, I think it's really relatable. I personally am a writer, so it's kind of funny with me because, like, I think of the multitudes of people. Like you just mentioned, you, you like you went to school for script writing, and like I personally, like, I'm a PhD student. I like have poetry published and things like that, and yet oh, wow. I make ridiculous videos. Like I got banned once on TikTok for doing a song about like how Rasputin's dick is in a museum <laughs> uh i think the i think tiktok was helpful for me too because of the quickness of it like i'm really into like punk rock and riot girl and stuff like that and a lot of that is all about short form mm -hmm. so like i've never i mean i've tr tried to write novels and stuff like that i've always been better with like short stories or poems or if like i've, I've written songs before too and like they tend to be like two minute songs no more um and I think a lot of that does. So I'm also neurodivergent, um, multiple things, you know, bipolar, OCD, yada, yada, yada. And also as a queer person, I think that um, a lot of the content I've consumed has been like short form and things like that. Um, how do you think your identity as a neurodivergent person, um, as a, would you refer to yourself as queer? Do you prefer bi or... Um, I, I would say queer. It's like, I, I, I am bi, but I, uh, you know, queer is a great umbrella term because it's like, I'm also, you know, non-binary people are included in bisexuality. Trans people are included in bisexuality. It's not binary. Um, mm. And it's sometimes hard to explain to people like, like, yes, I'm bi, but not in a transphobic exclusionary way or like, yes, bi and pan are different and the distinction matters, but I identify as bi. Sometimes it's just easier to say queer. And also it just, you know, it includes people who, you know, may not fit the like standard definition of certain labels. So, oh, yeah. um, and, and I find that, um, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong for saying this, but I find a lot of queer LGBTQ plus people are neurodivergent. 
And mm-hmm. I've noticed that a lot of the people who follow me and a lot of the people who leave comments really relate to my experiences. Like I wrote a song early when I started my TikTok that was called why does every bisexual person also seem to have ADHD? And a lot of people really related to it. And they told me to look up the term neuroqueer. And I guess that like scientifically, there have been studies that have shown that yes, like more LGBTQ plus people tend towards being neurodiverse. And I'm like, oh no, don't let the fundamentalists find that out because then they'll find a way to make it bad. But I I thought it was actually pretty, pretty cool. Like, I thought that was fascinating because I was like, okay, my instincts were right. It's not just me. And uh, there's a whole community of people out there who have this similar or the same experiences as me. And that's really like special. And it's so cool that the internet opens up that world for us because it can, it can be an isolating experience to be either one of those identities, queer or neurodiverse, because people don't necessarily understand you or want to understand you right i did i was not familiar with the term neuroqueer and now i think i have to dedicate an episode to that so thank you for teaching me about that term yeah i think that is really i think that type of audience and that relationship that we have like that's why i that's why i like the ways that social media establishes these types of personalities and relationships to the users there's so many people on tiktok that follow me that like also are neurodivergent and queer and just like the interactions we have are so amazing and like terms that they'll teach me like neuroqueer for example like is so great and i think the in- the great thing about that is like i your identity as a neurodivergent queer person also relates to other users that are neurodivergent and queer and Often in our community, we've established similar codes of language to relate to each other. And humor is a huge way of doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, I remember the video of like, um, for some reason, every bisexual person has ADHD. Like, I remember, I remember that song. I also remember, and this was, I was planning on including this song in the podcast is um, like, I'm a woman in the same way that battleship what, what is it Battlestar. battlefield battlefield earth is a film i'm a woman but in the same way the battlefield earth is a film neither one of us is good at our jobs but we still like okay that came war. about because i was talking to a friend about gender because i i, I identify as a cis woman but i <laughs> i was like okay i'm a woman i was born a woman i have you know genitalia that matches up to my gender identity however my approach to womanhood is not quite either what is expected or what feels right it's um like I am like performing femininity but badly (laughs) um and so it made me think of the movie Battlefield Earth which is a really bizarre terrible movie if you've ever seen it it's John Travolta's baby Um, but it's this, like, it's based on this, like, 1,500-page book by L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, and it's all about, you know, Earth has been taken over by these aliens, and there's this one man who can save it. It's awful. It's a terrible movie. I love it. So it's, like, it's a really bad movie, but a few people are going to get it, and they're going to be like, yeah, I mean, that sucks, but good for you for, for doing it, and that's, that's basically how I relate to 
my own gender expression. And it's interesting with the word queer too. It's like my podcast is named like Satter Gay, but it's like I personally I personally am non-binary. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, pretty attracted to men, but it's pretty open at the same time. I would call myself queer. Um, like, yeah, I would call myself more pan or possibly something like that. But sometimes Mm -hmm. certain terms just like you could say gay even in the same way, and that just opens up an umbrella of things. Yeah. TikTok does a wonderful way of like of embracing and inviting that community. So it's true. I I interestingly, I was I was seeing a video the other day about the terms trixic and toric which are terms used to describe like non-binary people who are attracted to women or non-binary people who are attracted to men and I was like that's interesting however most of the non-binary people that I know would just call themselves gay regardless of their orientation because like their gender identity in a way is tied up in their gayness yes that's a hundred percent true. Uh, for me personally, it's like, I'm aware of the terms that exist. Um, but one for me is like, as a non-binary person, it's like, I like to like move beyond language in many ways. So queer non-binary is the fundamental basic for that. And so Mm -hmm. I think those terms are very useful for a lot of people who want to find the language of like how they identify and how they adapt in the world. But for me, I just catch on to umbrella terms and I just latch on to them. And it also has to do with my own history with that too. I mean, I associate like gay with camp and like Rocky Horror is one of my favorite movies, for example. So like gay is just a very umbrella term for me. And uh, I think a lot of non-binary people feel that way too. And I think that's why when we hear, when people refer to themselves as gay on TikTok, like we're immediately like, yep, follow. Yeah, follow, exactly. Follow. I'm in San Diego was a lesbian. I won't be convinced otherwise. You can't look at that red fedora and tell me that this chick like that. So this is a segment that I've started to do. Why don't you answer first and then I'll answer second. So what I like to do, because the podcast is called Sad or Gay, I like to do a little play on it where I ask people, what makes you sad? What makes you gay? And are you sad or gay? So what I'll do is you answer what makes you sad first. I'll answer what makes me sad second. Um, and then we'll go back and forth like that. Now, granted, you can, you're welcome to say anything about what makes you sad. You don't need to feel, I, I'm not going to police you with that, but like, just as a <laughs> no premise, worries. you don't have to talk about anything too, like politically heavy if you don't want to, cause there's plenty of things that can make us sad, but whatever comes to mind. So okay. what makes you sad? What makes you gay? And are you sad or gay? So you can start what makes you sad recently. Okay. Well, um, well, generally capitalism. And and I say that because like, not only does capitalism really suck at the stage we're at now and in general, but also it makes it expensive to get therapy. <laughs> um, so in Canada, like most of our, our healthcare costs are covered except mental health care, um, dental, eye care. Uh, any sort of like specialty healthcare, like physiotherapy. Well, no, some physiotherapy is covered, but um, I also have health insurance. So, but yeah, if you, if you need like an assessment for something like ADHD or autism, or you want like a psychological uh, referral or something, it costs money. And I was talking to a friend about this. It's like, yeah, we don't, we don't have a system that takes care of our most important 
organ, which is our brain, which controls everything. It's like a luxury item. And so that makes me sad. It like in theory and also in practice. Um, but thankfully, most of my sad is alleviated by the medicine I take. So I just have to convince new doctors that uh, they should, in fact, give me medical grade speed. And then everything's fine. <laughs> but yeah, a roundabout way of saying capitalism. It's interesting, too, because a lot of people I feel like a lot of people like Americans specifically have such a myth about Canada. Like, I feel like they do the same thing. I mean, I, I without getting too political, but getting slightly political, I guess people like assume that like Canada and like Sweden have like, oh, like everything's affordable, great education system, great health care. And like, I think people think like free healthcare in Canada, I'm going to Canada, like every, like with the Trump election, oh, I'm going to Canada. It's like, well, you know, yeah. the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Like I'm not Canadian. I can't attest to that. But like, from what I'm hearing with you, it's like, that is a point of concern with like mental health and stuff like that. Yeah. It, and, and Canadians love to talk about how great Canada is in comparison to the US, but we have our own very unique problems. I'm not getting into them. You've probably seen a lot of them on the news uh, in the last little while, but we're not a perfect place. And certainly the fact that we don't have good coverage for anything to do with mental health is pretty sad. <laughs> it's sad, but we're working on making it better. There is a lack of therapist in America too. So I would say similar to me, that would make me sad is the lack of therapist in America. I have a lot of friends that are struggling mentally because it's COVID um, mm -hmm. and, and they're, you know, queer and neurodivergent. So it's just layers upon layers um, and they don't, and there's like a limit of therapist here. So I would say for me, that's something that makes me sad. I'll have to take a second to think about this personally, but I'll let, I'll let you go first. What makes okay. you gay this week um, or in general? <laughs> this week. Oh, my God. Well, have you I don't know if this applies to you, but have you seen women? They're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but no, I was I was trying to explain um, to someone what being bi is like. And I was like, OK, so, you know, the movie Labyrinth. And they were like, yes. And I was like, OK, being bi is realizing you're attracted to both David Bowie and the Muppets. And they were like not Jennifer Connelly. I'm like, she was a child. She was a child. <laughs> but granted, most, <laughs> when most of us saw Labyrinth. We were also children, so it would have been appropriate. But um, yeah, it, it's <sighs> what makes me gay. I don't know. I checking in, getting flowers for people, um, you know, remembering things about people, knowing what people's like love languages are just like sappy stuff like that there's something uniquely beautiful about the way queer people interact with each other and the way we love each other and the way we give care to each other it's i don't know i i don't think i would trade it for anything i love that i love that as an answer um thank you you got me thinking too when you were talking about the labyrinth about this was as i was a child one of my ways that I was like, oh, I might not be like totally straight, but I might not be totally gay either was when I was like 10, I want to say the Lizzie McGuire episode when she kissed Aaron Carter or when Aaron Carter <laughs> kissed her in the Christmas special. I was like, oh, he's really cute. Oh, she's really cute, too. 
(laughs) It's like that TikTok, like, am I attracted to this? No. Am I? No. (laughs) I I was talking to a friend um, about bisexuality and there's this anime called Ranma One Half. And it's an anime in which this guy has a curse put on him where if he is splashed with cold water, he turns into a girl and hot water changes it back. And I remember watching it as a kid and going, hmm, okay. <laughs> and then being like, well, this won't affect me. And then here I am, uh, however many years later, being like, well, okay, that affected me. I'm by now. <laughs> great. <laughs> That's great. It's always great, like, looking back on, like, what called you into that, too. Like, I rem- I also remember, like, David Bowie was one of my first crushes, too, mm-hmm. in The Labyrinth. I remember, like learning about the labyrinth i then got into like his ziggy stardust phase and that Mm -hmm. was just like such a maybe i can say what makes me gay this week is david bowie although i will also say i don't know if you've seen the dark crystal but i yes i personally identify with i think her name's olgra like (laughs) a mystic or whatever (laughs) that is a hundred percent my gender identity (laughs) and i have to say also, what makes me gay is Algra from The Dark Crystal. Again, a great answer. <laughs> yes, thank you. I, I, I don't know if I would call her my gender identity, but I certainly feel like her in the morning. <laughs> uh-huh, especially in the morning, especially mm-hmm. in the morning before coffee. So <laughs> the final question is, are you sad or gay? Now, you could say both. You could, there's multiple ways to answer this. It's more of a feeling in the moment. So you okay. personally, are you sad or gay currently? I contain multitudes. <laughs> I am sad. I am gay. I am happy. I am, I'm not going to say straight, but it, like the way I describe being bi is being half gay on my mom's side. She hates when I say that. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I am. Is your sad. mom gay? No. Oh, okay. That's sorry. Why she hates. <laughs> oh, okay. I was just clarifying. No, no, no. She's fine. She, she, she's one of the good ones, you know. Oh, okay. All <laughs> but right, um, good. but no. Uh, yeah, I'm sad and gay, but in a way that I've come to like just accept as a state of being. It's okay. not like a tumultuous sad and gay. It's like a yeah, I'm sad. Yeah, I'm gay. Right. It's all good. It's it's all it's all good. Yeah, a tumultuous. Uh, a tumultuous, sad, and gay. I would have to say I can I can agree with that. I mean, in the I tend to say gay more often, but I think that's just to like hide the fact that I'm chronically manically depressed. So uh, <laughs> the mood can fluctuate. No, it's fine. No, I'm fine. I'm medicated. So shout out to Wellbutrin. Um Hell yeah. Yeah. So I would say I would have to say for me personally gay above all else just life in general right now but but gay over the joy of just being able to e-meet you and to have followers and friends on tiktok that i can talk to and yeah talking about queer songs queer influences i'd have to say overall overall gay uh, gay sun sad rising possibly (laughs) That's such a great way to describe that. You mentioned it briefly, but I just want to repeat it. Um, How can people support you? Things they can follow you on, things like that. 
So I have a Patreon that I just launched yesterday. It's patreon.com slash chaos milf energy. I'll be putting the link in my TikTok bio shortly. I also have a coffee link in my TikTok bio. Um, if you'd like to just send me a one-time tip. Um, otherwise you can watch my videos on TikTok. comment. Let me know you're saying hi. Um, I really appreciate knowing that people are enjoying the stuff that I make. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. This has been an amazing time. Thank you listeners for listening. Happy Saturday, everyone. See you next Saturday. Happy Saturday. Saturday. Take care.